0: It's a question from a listener.
1: Hi Derek and team, uh, Kevin Masterson here. Um, I'm interested in photography and interested in in, um, wildlife. Last Thursday, which was a beautiful sunny morning, I decided to take a trip to the Botanic Gardens in Kilmacurra, County Wicklow. Beautiful location. And on walking around, um, I noticed a butterfly And I had to follow it for a little while until it actually rested. And uh, when it did rest, I had to try and find a spot to get a photograph of it. And eventually that happened, and I took the photograph. And I wasn't sure exactly what sort of butterfly it was. And I thought it was very, very unusual that in the month of February to see such a beautiful specimen. So I um, was just wondering, would this butterfly have been hibernating? in uh, the winter, or would it have arrived uh, in, in Ireland this early in the year? There's one more question I'd like to ask. I visited the Botanic Gardens in class Nevin on a weekly basis, and there's been a mandarin duck that's been very, very friendly with a, a mallard, and for the last three months they seem to be together all of the time, all moving in the same direction. And I was just wondering, could they actually breed? Curious to hear what the panel think. Thank you very much.
0: So, two questions and one to start the programme tonight. Let's go to you, Eina Ilana. First, Anna, butterflies.
2: Yeah, this is a picture of a red admiral butterfly. And it's very definitely a red admiral butterfly. The red admiral butterflies are migratory species. They come here in the summertime from further south in Europe. But they actually don't hibernate. Usually the cold of the weather finishes them off, but it doesn't finish them all off. There's always some that will survive. There's always some warm place. They lay their eggs on nettles. There are nettles around all the year. So having laid an egg on a nettle, the adult would have died. The the egg would hatch into caterpillars, caterpillars into a chrysalis. And this one is one that survived the winter. Didn't hibernate didn't come over early from the south of Spain or anything like that, just happened to be in Kilmacurry Gardens where obviously it was a warmer place than usual and it was able to survive. Now we do have two species of butterflies that hibernate as adults and that is the peacock butterfly with the big eye spots and the small tortoise shell. They actually go into hibernation as an adult and then when the warm weather comes they wake up and start flying around again. But this one is neither of those And this one didn't hibernate at all. Now you said it's definitely a
0: red admiral. Definitely a red admiral. Definitely a red admiral. Describe it, please.
2: Well. It's a big, huge one with the, with the lovely orange and white and red markings on it. That's what it is. It's a red admiral,
0: yeah. Yeah, it, 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 it is interesting that this phenomenon of, of butterflies appearing at this time of year and you mentioned the small tortoiseshell there you know, one of our most familiar butterflies and um, one that's often seen on Budley, particularly. People see those in gardens along with the red admiral. But there's a, a well-known phenomenon of, of these small tortoiseshells turning up in dining rooms around Christmas Day because they have a habit of hibernating in the folds of curtains and they'll stay there mostly dormant but then what happens around Christmas is often the good room the heating's turned on and that wakes them up they think it's spring and they'll start flying around on Christmas day so this is quite a well-known thing so butterflies are very resourceful and I suppose they need to be in a changing climate in a variable climate because they're so vulnerable I suppose because they have such predetermined life stages some would overwinter as eggs some as as caterpillars some as as pupae some as adults but if there's some cold event perhaps or some flooding event whatever it may be that wipes out the whole population they're done for so they really have to be quite resilient Zillions. life's tough for a butterfly richard
3: yes that's very interesting There was a paper some years ago in the irish naturalist journey by david nash and a man named smith i don't know him i have met david nash now each said that butterflies were recorded the red admiral that is overwintering and with larvae and that they can lay eggs in November and February, so it, it is an unusual thing. Also on this migratory thing, uh, there's some radar stuff in England seem to suggest they can see this stuff on the radar that seems to be insects migrating south in the autumn. And there is a suspicion that perhaps there's some kind of reverse migration taking place among some of these butterflies, but nobody's sure.
0: I think, yes, that particularly the Painted Lady, which is a very strongly migratory butterfly, and it was thought that uh, the ones that were seen in Ireland were doomed, that they are going to die because it would be too cold here in the winter. But it, the theory is now, and it does seem to be borne out by these radar studies you mentioned, Richard, that huge numbers of these do go up into the jet stream very high up and get all the way back to the Atlas Mountains in Morocco, which is mm. incredible to think of a butterfly like that. We even get reports, though, occasionally, of a butterfly called the Monarch, um, which is found mainly in North America, but some of those actually do seem to survive crossing the Atlantic and- I know, I know they don't, I know However, they don't. they could be in the dark, they have come. the Canary
2: Spain. Islands are coming, they're not coming 3,000 miles across the Atlantic No, possibly, ocean. well, we can't tag them. But, but they, they, the they do actually breed on the Canary Islands. And, and in ones, Spain too. Yeah, and the ones we get here do come from there. I think, I think now, a butterfly <laughs> flying 3,000 miles.
3: How do you know they haven't
0: come from there And as it? not, it's just said you can't tag them, you can't put a radio tracker on their back or a ring on their leg.
2: Well, they'll have to be doing DNA analysis on them, won't they? Indeed, I mean, the monarchs do actually fly great distances in America from north to south and back again. Mm-hmm. So they are a migratory species. Anyway, anything that I've seen about monarch butterflies in Ireland has traced them back to the canaries. So, you know, that's what I know. That's well, what you
0: know. <laughs> don't forget to get to the canaries. They had to cross the Atlantic in the first place. So that's the, that's the thing there too. But no, who knows, really? But it is interesting that those, those butterflies can survive journeys of... Uh, Clearly, thousands of kilometres across open water. It is amazing. What about the second part of Kevin's question, which has to do with a mandarin duck
3: hanging around with a mallard in the Botanic Gardens in Glasnevin? Can they breed? He asked Richard. Now, mallard are notoriously loose. Uh, They're not strong on monogamy and marital vows, mallard, in general. They do a lot of strange things. They breed, for instance, with muscovy ducks. They produce, in that case, unfertile um, hybrids, which are very good for producing foie gras, I'm told. But anyway, we won't go down that road. You get it in other things. Swan goose and gray goose produce fertile hybrids and manners breed with a fella called the yellow billed duck, which Niall would be familiar with. It's an African duck, and they produce fertile hybrids. Now, the Mandarin is a glamorous so-and-so. He is monogamous in principle. He will avail of any other opportunity to mate with something else if he doesn't. And there was a pair around in the People's Garden, Phoenix Park. I've seen it many times in the last couple of years, and it moves around a bit and certainly would go to the Botanic Gardens. Very glamorous beautiful duck.
0: Ducks are indeed fascinating when it comes to this idea of hybridization, and mallards particularly, they've uh, interbred with more other species of, of bird than I think any other species they, they really are incredible. Part of that is because it seems genetically the mallard is a very young species. Human beings have been around longer than mallards have and we're a very young species as well so it seems that some of these barriers either genetically or socially haven't developed between mallards and other types of duck and you will get sometimes geese interbreeding with ducks so you do get these bizarre hybrids there's all sorts of websites and, and, and journals indeed devoted to this kind of thing. However mandarin ducks are particularly interesting because there hasn't actually been a recorded case of a mandarin duck hybrid with another species. That's something people are looking out for all the time. But it seems that almost uniquely among these ducks, mandarins have a weird incompatibility with their chromosomes, a different chromosome number. So from the behaviour that's been described there of this, this male, this drake mandarin duck palling around with this female mallard, they may well be feeling amorous and they, he may well mate with her but it doesn't necessarily mean that they would produce offspring though but it has to do with chromosomes has it not? So yes, that's the theory, that uh, mandarin ducks they have an incompatibility with the chromosomes of a different number to other ducks and this seems to be a real barrier between them successfully interbreeding and producing viable offspring. I believe they haven't even been recorded hybridising with their closest relative which is uh, a duck called the wood duck, which is from North America. The mandarin duck is native to East Asia. Um, both very flamboyant looking drakes, um, really spectacular looking
2: yeah, birds. They look mad. They look as if they fell into a paint box. I mean every colour of the sun is on them. But I mean this fella's only torn shapes and having a good time of doing the bold thing with the mallard but I don't suppose there will be the patter of little little webbed feet anytime soon from the from the union
0: no I I suspect not in this case although never say never because ducks constantly surprise us so I would like to see what happens there we do know that the mallards have a a really quite unique mating system as well Uh, the male has an organ that's akin to a penis it's not quite the same and it may be a whole different mechanism for how the female will be fertilised as well so there could be an incompatibility there with the mandarin duck uh, too but um, certainly you know the An interesting bird to look at. I've seen that that Drake Mandarin duck hanging around the botanic gardens, and it really is a flamboyant looking creature. They really are beautiful. Well, describe them. You keep saying they're flamboyant. Describe what they look like for the benefit of people who are going into the botanic gardens So, When when you see them first, the main thing you notice is bright orange. That's the main colour you'll see on them. They have these sort of crested heads, sort of sweeping back this bouffant hairdo. But the other main thing your eye will be drawn to is the fact that the male has these big, I can only describe them as sails on his back, and it's part of his wings. The secondary feathers sort of flare up, and it looks very dramatic. indeed. And this is a bird that was um, revered in East Asia and many cultures there. You often see them on Japanese imperial paintings and so on. Uh, and I've had the great pleasure of actually seeing them in eastern Russia. And, uh, and indeed, I saw them once, uh, these mandarin ducks, in Japan uh, in a town called Satsuma. So a very citrus fruit-laden area. <laughs> but there's black
2: and white and red and orange and everything. Yeah, they're color very, very colourful. I said, look looked like they fell into a but It
0: looks to me, it looks like if, if a child got a box of crayons and coloured in a duck randomly in their colouring book, um, and you think that could never exist in real life and that, that's what a Mandarin duck looks like.
3: Richard? And yeah, that's very interesting that the mandarin is so brightly colored because bright color and glamour usually leads to a sort of flexible attitude to mating because you're using this wonderful panoply of colors and glamour to secure matings with the opposite sex. But this isn't the case with the mandarin, oddly, isn't it strange that it goes to the trouble of producing such elaborate plumage when the possibility of a mistake, breathing with the wrong thing, is remote?